1: Reveille, Reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: <laughs> Hi, BC. <laughs> Nice to see you.
1: (laughs) I play in the band Slaughter to Prevail. How are you? Uh, Are you guys still on the Dead Children Tour? I mean, this is...
0: Hey, everybody. It's Halloween. Hi. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo for a very, very, very late morning combat. Uh, I'm joined by the man who you can blame for that. It's my friend and yours. (laughs) Although I look
1: like I'm purple with this white balance. It's Brian Campbell. What's up BC? Uh technical issues is what's up, Luke. Maybe all those years that I uh fought against the the scary satanic holiday that you so uh blazingly project uh it's coming back to haunt me as nothing works today, Luke, okay? So um, do, you, do you like my pumpkin, my scary pumpkin outfit? I do. I do like that. That's that's very Remember we saw a, a like a grifter in Phoenix wearing that same jacket as you? You mean a
0: drifter? Yeah, yeah. Yes, we did. Uh Hi, everyone. We're late as balls, so we're going to get this going here pretty rapidly. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas, fresh off the plane from Phoenix. And when I say fresh, I mean expired. I mean throw that shit out. It was like the milk you open. Ooh, god, that's chucking us in the garbage right now. You can do that. But BC, I went to bed with my daughter last night at 8:30, so I actually feel pretty good. But we have a lot to get to today. Wrap up on Jake Paul, UFC. Wrap up on boxing over the weekend. Uh, there was Lomachenko, Katie Taylor, a whole bunch of stuff. Thumbs up on the video if you're watching. Please hit subscribe one more time. Apologies to you all for the delay. It was not intentional. It was an accident. We did our best to get it up here and running. So thank you for sticking it out. Sorry for being late. BC, want to remind everyone, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce plus $3.99 a month thereafter. You can get the shirt that BC is wearing at morningcombat.store. You can see it right there. You got polo shirts and everything else in between. And of course, Wednesday's fan subs, Friday's Dead Wrong, Morningcombat at Gmail.com. BC, anything else you want to get to off the top? You want to get this ripping and roaring?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm a little emotionally wounded from all of the technical uh, setbacks that I've endured this morning, Luke. But, you know, even though I quite generously offered that we just quit today, the show, maybe maybe even our jobs, um I'm glad I'm thankful to the staff for getting this out today, Luke. Okay. We squeezed it out. We're here. I mean, look, I'm working on a uh camera quality of like a you know, 1998 Samsung, uh, brick phone, but you know, we're here, we're here. You actually
0: look, you actually look just fine. I mean, um, I mean, well on camera, I mean, you look like you've been hit with a sledgehammer a few times, but yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to make a Pelosi joke with the hammer, but you know, you, you don't look great. I'll just put it that way. You don't look great. Uh, but okay, BC, I hope everything was good with travel yesterday. Without further ado, let's get this party started. Shall we? Topic number one, as we move into today with a very caffeinated and excited Brian Campbell. Let's wrap things up on this. Let's put a bow on it. We can be done with it, and then we'll get to UFC. But let's talk about Jake Paul here for just a second to kick things off, BC, defeating Anderson Silva via unanimous decision. And we talked about this on the post-fight show a little bit on Saturday night. We've had time to reflect. BC, do you understand any of the scoring controversy such that it exists about this fight?
1: I don't think there's much of a scoring controversy, to be honest. I thought it was a competitive fight. I thought in a lot of ways it it was kind of what we thought it was, meaning no one was really sure exactly who was going to come out on top. And the reason for that was because we were accurately identifying this as Jake Paul's toughest boxing test to date. I think the real debate coming off of this is really how you want to frame... Jake's performance and what it means moving forward. It was a close fight. I had the fight even ultimately over eight rounds, four rounds to four, with Jake Paul's knockdown in the final round being the difference. But as we indicated immediately post-fight, of those four rounds I gave to Anderson Silva, two of those involved him flurrying in the final 30 seconds, and boy, was that close. You could have just as easily gone the other way as Jay- with Jake. I have no problem with the judges scoring. The only you know issue I've had is, is the... The push, the conspiratorial push, which normally I'm the frontline leader of, that this was somehow staged or that, you know, Anderson, look, he could have knocked him out. Look at how much he was laboring at times. Well, folks, he's 47 years old, all right? But we said coming in, he's still skilled enough, had made that transition successfully enough to boxing that he could potentially could have been a problem for Jake. And by the way, he would have been had Jake, let's give him credit, not made... The continuous advancements, little evolutions in his game, ten months removed from when we lost see him, seeing him in that Woodley rematch. I thought he made tremendous advancements. Uh, gave Silva a lot of trouble. There were pockets that Silva fought great. That it looked like he even hurt Jake and might have been sending him into exhaustion. But youth was served on this night because Jake is getting better now at six and zero. Uh, and you know, if you if you want his seventh fight to be against a twenty and zero contender, it's just not going to happen. But where he is and with the type of opponents that he's seeking out, uh, this was a step in the right direction because, Luke, you and I said it best. Uh, If the fights aren't fun, no one's going to buy. Jake Paul's in this spot because he's a celebrity who also works really hard at his craft to make these fights viable. If they're not as fun as Saturday night was, this balloon's going to pop. I think we have to all be honest and say, uh, you know, separate from what our expectations were, he's getting better and I think the movement to see him fight a continued stretch of celebrity names, whether that be retired UFC stars or whoever he can fight, I think it's going to continue to grow the more that he wins and the more that he puts forth performances exactly like this. look. there's a little Zapruder film of, of that knockdown. There's an angle from the crowd where it looked like Anderson maybe didn't get hit flush, but hey, look at the other 16 angles when you can see it, it hit right on the side of the face. It was a nice punch from Jake. On my card, it sealed the victory, I didn't think he'd win, and he did. So color me impressed. Not impressed he's going to win a world title tomorrow. Not under the belief that he should ever try to. He's a crossover, fun celebrity fighter who's taken this very seriously. And whether you tuned in or not, whether you care about this or not, you got to give him a little bit of that respect.
0: I mean, I think this is real, pretty, pretty basic, BC. We talked about this at length. I'm not going to go over the point again about how he has picked a fight with an industry. But I will say this. You know, and it's still very early into the stages of this. He's only had fights against, well, Askren, but like real fights against, you know, longer fights against two UFC fighters. Obviously, Askren was a decorated, you know, athlete. I don't want to diminish that. But in terms of what the fight was, you know, there was some resistance from Woodley. There was obviously a fair amount of resistance from Anderson Silva. Two things I would say, BC. One, you can't find five rounds for Silva in this fight. You can try, but they don't exist. You can find four. You can definitely find four. And, of course, that would make it even given it's an eight-round fight, but the knockdown being the difference. I think that's utterly reasonable. I think you can find five rounds for Jake. I don't think you can find six. That's where it starts to get real silly. But the the basic idea is four is your best-case scenario for Anderson Silva with the knockdown being the decider. The the, the scoring here is not – it's only controversial. I mean, listen, guys, if you spend 364 days a year telling us you don't like boxing, your opinion on the 365th not going to be that relevant. Just got to warn you up front. Okay. So if you don't like boxing, that's fine. If you don't watch boxing, that's also fine. But your opinion after that point becomes fairly irrelevant. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is, as we indicated last week, BC, Jake Paul has picked a fight with the MMA industry. I got to tell you up to this point, and this is why I think you see some of the reactions being as outsized as they are, it's because he's winning. He's winning the yeah. fight he's picking. Now, it's not over yet. We'll see what happens as he goes through. The reason why everyone is now all of a sudden reacting so negatively and so outrageously is because it kind of sucks that he has picked this fight with the MMA industry if you're an MMA fan or you stick close to that community and that he's actually sticking it to the community he is taking the legends of course they're getting big money but you know he's using that to gra- to gain credibility which I do think he turned a corner on Friday at least some kind of a corner on Friday whatever that corner might be it's certainly a, b- a better spot than he was post second woodley fight the tape that we examined speaks to that but the reality is he is needling he is poking And he did something that I, for a fact, said I don't think he could or should or would even recommend he do. He did it. He won. It was fair and square. It was close. It was close. It was fair and square. And him doing this is driving everyone inside of MMA out of their mind. They claim they can't stand it. They're huffing on a lot of copium this morning, and they're very, very upset about it, which I understand. But it only proves that this effort he's undertaking, for his own purposes, is working it is right. working and
1: it's you know and i get a lot of people who it seems like those are the same people like us who predicted he wouldn't win and then he did and then all they want to do is break down and predict you know break down why anderson was too old look anderson fought very well for a 47 year old transferring into a new sport let's like let's be real with this guys like if you don't like it don't buy it that's always the first case of it but jake didn't have an amateur background outside of calling out canelo cuz he just wants to make some massive massive event you know, he's not actually trying to become a quote unquote real fighter within this celebrity bubble. The reason why he fights guys that are a little bit smaller than him, a little bit older than him, because this is entertainment. It's very real inside the ring. But what he's doing is more or less scratching a bucket list, you know, option, found something that he loves doing that he got addicted to. And oh, by the way, he's getting better. Uh, You know, if you're only in this to find him, to to, to see him have his judgment day, well, stay tuned. He's been matching Fairly consistently higher at each step. It can, in hindsight, could you criticize? You know, Askren on the hip surgery never had hands. Of course, Nate Robinson boxed for a week before that. And Easton Gibb back to the gas station, uh, diabetes <laughs> or not. You could make all of those things. But like, I don't get the clowning of us saying, you know, this was his biggest test to date, and he passed it. Um, did you not watch Anderson Silva versus Chavez? Okay, so look, look, Jake's Jake's doing what he wants here, and what he wants to do is make noise. Get people to hate him on the MMA side and win and keep fighting. Uh, he's opened, a, he's opened up a new door. This could have been the end. Had Jake Paul got knocked out, could you still made a Nate fight? Maybe. But this could have been the end. Hey, guys, he won the fight. So it's going to keep going, you know, and it's up to you to fast forward if you want on Morning Combat or just avoid it altogether. But we were there Saturday night. Uh, The arena was packed. It was a different kind of audience. Actually, to be fair, it was an MMA audience who were praising Silva, and it was filled with active UFC fighters. This is a weird, interesting sort of incubator of boxing that's not really boxing. But if we get fights like we had on Saturday, it's going to be hard for any combat sports fan to ignore this altogether. It was fun. It was intriguing. And it was a competitive fight in which the younger man won.
0: Yeah, the last thing I would say on this, B.C., uh, in terms of the scoring itself is Is just that this was to me like, here's the way you should be viewing Jake Paul, I think, from the MMA perspective. This is my view. Now, if you don't like this kind of boxing, fine. Like, the whole argument that you should be forced to watch it, no, you shouldn't. You should watch whatever you want. You should like whatever you want. But the idea that it's tearing down boxing doesn't seem to me correct. And the idea that it's bad for MMA, I mean, the rivalry is in some ways exposing some of MMA's flaws, but. Everyone who is participating in these things seems to be getting something out of it. I mean, all the fans who were there were certainly MMA fans. But BC, it leads me to this final point, which is a question I want to pose to you. After watching, I, I didn't know what to make of the crowds in Cleveland, and I wasn't sure about the one in, in Tampa either. It was an unusual crowd. But the crowd there on Saturday night, I mean, those were MMA fans to, to, to the number, like, there was hardly anyone there who was there for boxing. David Benavidez is the hometown guy and a big-name boxer. When they put his face up there on the big screen, the MMA fans didn't know who, they, who he was. And they show Sean O'Malley, and he got a massive pop. And even Jake Shields got a bit of a pop. And Jake Shields hasn't competed for, at least in the UFC for, or strike force in a very, very long time. How would you know if you, who, who Jake Shields is and not David Benavidez if you're a boxing fan? That makes no especially if you're in Phoenix, where David Benavidez is from. It doesn't make any sense. There were UFC fight kits. And you know, people hate when I bring this up, but it was just it was largely, not exclusively, it was largely white people there. Like I've been to a million boxing events where it was majority black. I've in all of my years in watching MMA, I've never one time seen an event where the audience was majority black. Just never. It's never happened. So it was all MMA fans, and that's fine. You don't have to be anything else. I'm just pointing this out. BC is Jake Paul. A MMA star or a boxing star? I know he fights in boxing, but I got to tell you, after watching who was there in attendance on Saturday, I'm beginning to rethink his position here. He actually might be an MMA star, all the ones MMA fans hate, but a star just the same.
1: I mean, MMA star, uh, a star that MMA fans watch because he fights retired MMA fighters. Yes, not an MMA star. But I mean, what you say, though, really is just it's it's how you have to frame this. It's entertainment. Now, fighting in general is entertainment. It's prize fighting. This is extra level entertainment. But um, Saturday night was entertaining. So I think that the pivot here is, you know, what are the 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 viable fights moving forward for Jake? Um, I think the topic is still relevant of, of, you know, when does he quote unquote cash himself out and go for it? Well, Saturday night could have been that, as we just said. Um, Luke, here's the thing. It's like, you know, we ripped the second Woodley fight pretty damn boring. It wasn't fought at a high level. I thought this fight with Anderson and Jake for two more or less amateurs in a sense was at a pretty high level. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting because I think the one thing Jake has to do to keep the public interest is continue to escalate the danger that he's welcoming. In this silo, who are the dangerous ones? Because I'm not expecting him to, to take, look, if he takes on a, a, a six and zero or a ten and zero cruiserweight, they're going to have a, a, a an extreme level of advantage over him. Going back to the amateurs and all that, who within this bubble? And obviously, Nate Diaz is the hot name. We had a brawl backstage. Who within this bubble now? Because Anderson was the guy; he was the boss at the end of this crossover celebrity boxing video game. Who's that new boss in your eyes, Luke?
0: For Jake.
1: Yeah, now that we escalate the matchmaking with each successful win.
0: All right, so then that leads us to point number two, so we'll follow along here. Topic number two, right in line with your question, BC, which I think is the appropriate pivot. Who do you go to next, right? What would make the most sense? BC, it seems to me, you tell me if I'm wrong, he's got two basic choices here. One, Nate Diaz, which of all the possible choices... Is by far the biggest, and I think the one that folks would get most excited about. Now, what's interesting, BC, is I did see some smart people inside the community note. Well, geez, if Jake can beat Anderson, couldn't he beat Nate? I would submit to you that yeah, there's a certain good chance he could do that. On the other hand, Jake had no inside fighting, and where is Nate Diaz the best? Right up against you, right pressing up at you into the into the fence line or the rope line in this particular case. And I think other the ropes, and I think there's a good reason to believe that he would eat Jake or take John's, uh, Jake's lunch money there. The other one, of course, would be on the Tommy Fury side, which, of course, you'd have to do in England. Those two seem to me the best choices. Am I wrong? Is there a third wild card? Why would he go with one over the other?
1: I agree. I, I think, look, if, if his end goal is to, quote, unquote, become legitimate, and I, and I think that if that opportunity became there, right, he's 6-0 now. He ends up being 20-0. Right? Like, and I mean, 15-0. and It's a much different conversation I do wonder, though, Luke, I think Nate Diaz, without question, in every category, is that next fight. Is there a little bit of fear? Because he just beat Anderson, who's bigger, and and, and in theory, we would think maybe a little bit easier of a transition for him than Nate to this boxing game. But the Diaz brothers have been boxing forever. They used to spar Andre Ward 10 years ago. I mean, they've been around the game. How much longer can Nate fight the smaller fighters, the fighters that he, on paper, will have a distinct advantage of? Because, Luke, it's like... Without having fighting experience, Jake has to have a built-in advantage to, to to kind of make this work as he's learning on the job. That advantage can be age, it can be size. Silva closed the size gap, which made this past fight interesting. I do wonder if he's got, you know, a, a year left or so, depending on the entertainment quality of the fights, to continue to match down physically. Meaning, on paper, Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, probably the biggest fight he can make right now. But Jake would be the... the Jake would be the, the, you'd have to think the betting favorite he's showing now that with that size, he's got respectable enough defense. We're at this level, meaning incomplete fighters crossing over, man, he's pretty damn good. So if his 2023, I saw a lot of people tweeting saying, look, you know, love him or hate him, but his 2023 could be Tommy Fury in England. Nate Diaz in a super fight and then maybe, you know, GSP to close it. Obviously, the reason why I laid it out in that order is because Nate Diaz has to get out of that exclusive matching window of the UFC. Now that he's on, you know, supposedly out of his contract, there's that extra language in there. I think that's a vi- a viable path. I think the biggest question we're going to have to have is if his interest is still in this to do this, and it seems like he's only getting more interested in it, if he keeps winning... That's when this 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 thing needs to be scaled up. That's why I'm sort of saying, look, you wanna you wanna clown on this guy because you hate him. Fine, okay. But the re- the realistic nature of it is, he's making big events, he's getting better, and they're getting more exciting each time. He gets through this year with those big names. I don't know how much longer he can target the aging welterweight or lightweight UFC fighter. It's going to have to be a whole new category, based directly on the fact that he's only 25 and he's getting better at this. But yes, Luke. N- I mean, look, the proof will be in the pudding, uh, in terms of the the, the pay-per-view results for this, which we don't have yet, but it was a sold out arena. We saw how big is this Nate fight in your eyes? Big. Big.
0: Big, real big. I think I think with the right promotion and, you know, a few things going their way, that could sell potentially a million pay per view buys. I think it's big. I mean Nate was who was the <laughs> That's biggest a lot star? Of who was buys. the
1: I mean, like, who was the biggest
0: star in the building on Saturday night, including Jake Paul and Anderson Silva? It was fucking Nate Diaz. Yeah,
1: he got mobbed everywhere. Anytime he tried to escape from a tunnel, he got mobbed. I took
0: a picture and I saw someone being like, oh, it was only 10 people mobbing him. No, there was a security fence. And this is true. Nate went by our position, which was there was a barricade in front of us. And he, you know, he, by the way, he rolls like 10, 15, 20 guys deep every time. Dude, they couldn't get to their seats even with security escort. They couldn't get to their seats, so they had to go back through the tunnel and go to a different spot to get it, because they literally could not walk through the promenade on the floor seating. That's how fucking mobbed he was. And you know, BC, you know it's going to be fucking oil and water when those guys get together. It's going to be clashing. Their camps were nearly fist-fighting backstage. So you add that element in there, the Nate Diaz popularity element, and what Jake is pulling off where everyone just can't fucking stand him inside MMA, and I think it does big numbers.
1: There's a, there's there's Look, when you're doing this sort of oddball fight, there's got to be some pro wrestling chicanery in there in terms of the promotion. And I, I actually give Nate a lot of credit for starting some shit backstage and sort of, you know, starting to grind those gears for when he is ready, when he is available. Uh, I agree with you. This is a monster fight. And I think the animosity buildup between them will make this a big deal. Luke, in light of the question that I asked before that, though, in terms of, you know, how much longer can he keep fighting smaller guys? Does he have to start scaling that model upwards to fighting not only guys his own size but but a little bit younger and does it have to be aging MMA fighters or can it be aging boxers i mean what is going to be the potential you know what what type of matches is he going is he going to be looking for after this group fury nate diaz goes by and who knows if gsp wants to be involved in this but another right. smaller guy moving up do you need him to start taking on the Late thirties, retired UFC guys who are two hundred five pounds.
0: It's not like I'm not invested in his career. Like I'm the one advising it. Like he can just do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to go and fight a certain way to preserve the longevity of it, or versus not. I'm I'm not really invested in it in that way. But this is why I asked that question. You didn't seem to like the phrasing of it, but I do think it's worth thinking about, guys. If the audience showing up to watch you lose, and by the way, Jake Paul got booed like a motherfucker in that arena. If the audience showing up to watch you lose is MMA fans and the people buying your products are MMA fans. I talked to boxing journalists and they were telling me that they were like they could just tell from the audience who was coming in, who it was and how much there was that this was targeted towards an MMA audience in terms of who was receiving the message. Yeah, he doesn't fight MMA, doesn't get anywhere near it. And I understand why. You do have to ask yourself, what kind of a star is he? He doesn't have he uses boxing, but is he really a boxing uh, celebrity more than he is an MMA celebrity? No, he's not. He's much more an MMA celebrity. Here's what I think, though, BC, to get, which gets to your question, which is that if he goes in there and, let's say mops the floor with Nate, which, you know, who the hell knows, but let's see if that happens. And if it does, you might get to a point where the MMA folks are a little bit tired of it because you won't be able to get someone young who they can actually get tested against. So he might then transition to boxing and then become something of a boxing Anti, not anti-hero, but like the same thing he's doing in MMA. Then he could go and challenge in the sport of boxing, right? Become the boxing villain in the way that he's sort of become the MMA villain. That may happen. In which case, there could be all kinds of different pockets of guys, younger, bigger, whatever that he could go to. But I think as long as he's fighting MMA guys, it's going to be the ones that are a little bit older towards the end of their careers who could get out of their contracts and have a big enough name. That's just the reality of it. So keep writing that until it no longer works. It seems.
1: It's going to be interesting, Luke. It's going to be interesting right. moving forward. I mean, the the, the cries to, to escalate the matchmaking will only continue. But when you got a big event like that, potential Nate Diaz, and I think what you brought up is interesting. How long is that matching window from the UFC? Will they be willing to stand guard at the doorway and prevent this fight under any circumstance? That's probably going to be the big decider of it. In the right. meantime, could you make a Fury fight? Absolutely. And I think there is some intrigue in there. But are you starting to believe even more of what we already believe that Tommy Fury might be the, the right opponent in the same vein that Chavez Jr. was for Anderson Silva, but the Jake we saw on Saturday, he may have no issues with Tommy Fury at all. At yeah,
0: all. I got to be honest. I, bef- I, I thought after Tommy's last performance that Jake was going to win. after this one i'm I'm fairly confident i don't I don't know how competitive that would be to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll have to see, but it's worth thinking about out there, folks, like if you're super mad at Jake and you're super mad that he's doing this, it's because he's winning. It's because he's winning, and people don't like that, and I understand it, but it's a reality. Okay, BC, let's move on to some UFC here if we can. Now, unfortunately, uh, it's not good news, and I got to say, BC, the run of fighters this year who are getting injured, including just the featherweight division alone, right out of the gate in the beginning of these fights is crazy. So Calvin Cater and, and Arnold Allen, the two best fighters who competed this weekend, I mean, obviously Silva's the... In in his his heyday, was the best. What we're talking about currently, these are the two best fighters who competed this weekend anywhere, I would say. Well, Loma was certainly in the the case of there in terms of the boxing side. But you get the idea. Two highly, highly accomplished featherweights. And the first round was pretty good, BC. It was pretty competitive. But you saw there was that jumping switch knee he tried, Calvin Cater, and it injured his knee. It was towards the end of the round. He survives. He goes back out, and then right away, he gets it injured. Now, before we talk about what it means for the featherweight division, should he have fought that second round? I'm going to leave it there. What do you think?
1: <sighs> it's easy to say no based on that he fell apart uh, You know, the first time he came out in that second round. I think, though, when he went back to the corner and you heard his corner ask him, and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. He was scared by what happened. He didn't get a chance to really stand up immediately after as as Allen tried for a submission, and then we saw the end of the round. The fighter, the warrior in him, is going to give himself every chance to try to continue. I wasn't upset by what took place. The first time Allen tried to go for a calf kick, Cater was down. He was hurt. The fight was over. No no more conversation to be needed. I think in this case, it, it's certainly unfortunate. We did not get the answers we were looking for. The only silver lining is that we did get nearly a full round before the injury, and it did look like Allen was controlling the fight, and he looked fairly impressive. Although, look, this is a five-round fight. Who knows what type of you know seeds you're planting in the first round, what type of reads you're making. But this did look like Allen's fight. Um, it's a tough blow for Cater, who's been able to reinvent himself after big defeats and still look to be a player here. But at this age, you don't know how long this recovery is going to be. And now you've got a guy in Allen who's extending that win streak to the type of distance, the type of level now. What is he, 12 wins overall in a row, 10 in the UFC? Then it's going to be hard to keep this guy out of the title conversation This, in theory, would have been that fight that, like his win over Hooker, that would have really allowed us to to affirm him as that. Do you think Allen should, off of this, go directly to the top? Now, you can't go to the top, obviously, because Volkanovsky's going to be fighting in the lightweight division. Does he need another fight, Arnold Allen, to get the type of critical validation that this fight was supposed to? Do we gain, do we learn any, can anyone win off of this is my real question, Luke. I don't... (sighs)
0: You don't lose. You definitely don't lose. You definitely advance at least a little bit. But the lack of clarity just means that there's more to be clarified. Now, let me put a pin in that. Just real quickly answer the question that I pitched to you. Should he have fought? These situations are always case by case. It's very difficult. Here's what I'll say. I did not like when Cater and his team, when Max was just teeing off on him and then sending him back out there round after round. I did not agree with that. I thought after the fourth, they should have called it and they didn't. And I had a conversation with Tyson Shortier um, afterwards, who is the, you know, the head of the New England cartel in terms of the coaching and everything. And, you know, I think he understood some of their criticisms and they have their own choices to make and they're difficult ones. I understand it, but that's where I came down this one. I'm a little less inclined because it happened towards the end of the round. He wasn't exactly the first round. Anyway, he wasn't exactly sure what had happened I can understand trying to pull through. We saw T.J. Dillashaw get his knee popped from a heel hook attempt from Corey Sandhagen and in the end of the first round in their contest, and then he came back and he won a five-round contest. So, you know, the overall record of corners or fighters just taking on injury loads that they can't possibly win with is voluminous. And so as a consequence, you're always like, here we go again. In this particular case, because of the very particular circumstances around it, I'm not, I'm not like, I I just feel like we should dial back some of the criticism here. I do think that's fair. In terms of where we go, BC, that is now the dominant question. I have the rankings in front of us here. If we're looking at featherweight, obviously Volkanovsky is your champ, but he's up a notch. So here's who we have inside the top four. We have Max, we have Yair, we have Ortega, we have Josh Emmett at four. They have Cater at five and Arnold at six, but you can put, I think they're probably going to switch places So now Arnold's going to jump up about uh, 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 a top. All right. So into the top five. So BC with Max, Yair, Brian, Josh, and Arnold Allen. What do you do? My answer is you do Yair versus Emmett and you do Arnold versus Max. That's one thing you could do. You could potentially throw in Brian Ortega if you wanted. I'm not sure how people feel about that. How do you fix that problem?
1: I like the two fights that you set up right there, and I think uh, we have some concerns about Max from that performance against Volkov. obviously. It's also Alexander Volkanovsky, your pound-for-pound pound king, so Max is going to need the opportunity, if that's the direction he wants to go, to prove us wrong, come back and get a big win. I think for Arnold Allen, with this fight, not giving him that affirmation I talked about, that stamping that he is ready for a champion, fighting a former champion and an absolute star, and Max Holloway most likely in a you know big fight night main event or, or, or in a high spot on a pay-per-view that's as close as you can get to a world championship. That, that gives you the, the commercial opportunity to break through as well as critically. Luke, I saw some people bring up the idea of floating an interim title out there because Volkanovsky has the potential to be tied up for a bit. You know, if he's going to fight once outside the division, you're, that's at least six months out of the game. If that's the case, you're looking more at Yair and Josh Emmett for that interim title, correct?
0: Yes, and those were the two guys that we had spotlighted previous to this moment that were kind of like the two most deserving. Again, Arnold, with this win, only enters the top five. Josh Emmett, we were like title shot. Yair, we were like title shot. So I still feel like he's a step back. I guess you could also do Arnold Allen versus Ortega. That's another route you could go if you don't know what to do with Max as well. So there's some questions there.
1: Yeah, the division's fun. Tough break for Cater. Allen's making movements, but let's not jump too far ahead, right? That's that's yeah. I
0: mean, I would, I'd agree with you. I thought Arnold Allen in the first round, and there's just no way to tell how he would have looked in rounds two through five. But I agree with you. I thought in the first round, he looked pretty good, man. He looks like he's finally truly filled out to the weight class. He looked like he had uh, a good game plan. He was on his horse, he was landing and moving. Um, He had a big flurry against the fence against Cater. Like, he looked pretty goddamn good. But you're still more to do. And, and and credit to Arnold Allen, by the way. They put a microphone on his face. Michael Bisping interviewed him, and the first thing he said was, ah, you know, like, how am I going to get an advancement off of this? You know, it's an injury one. Like, what, what are we going to do? So he knew right away that this wasn't going to be enough by itself. The question is exactly how you sort the rest of it. And especially because Cater, I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be off BC, but you, I'm sure you saw the slow-mo replay. You can watch his knee pop in real time on the side of his leg. Like, that thing is probably going to require surgery. So... He might be out for a while. It just leaves an odd number that you don't really know what to do with the top five, and I just can't remember a time when like it was very unclear who inside the top five was deserving, right. short of everyone already being beaten.
1: Well, I don't like the title being. I like Volkanovsky getting this chance to be great. I don't like when a title is you know locked up and not being defended for six months or more. But look, it's it's interesting. You know how much I've always been against interim titles, yet I am liking the fallout of what. Putting an interim title on a fight is is starting to mean, right? Going back to UFC 236 when the main and co-main event had unnecessary interim title bouts, yet both were fight of the year contenders and incredible. So I, I want to bring up that old point I used to make, which I think is true. Just don't make it an interim title. Make it something different. And I'm not saying you have to have a green jacket or a ring or something, but like my whole point is this: a fight should have a number one contender fight, especially when the champion's busy. Should have bigger stakes around it. I like, you know, you can make it a pay-per-view main event if you've got big stars. I like that people can get money, you know, a higher salary at an interim title level that they normally can. Just don't make it a world title because if we're going to start to use this gimmick more often, which is, seems to be the UFC's direction, you're just going to have a long list of people who are going to retire as former interim champions when it doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. Right. When you have too many. So just make it something different. Make it a different gimmick. Wouldn't you like that, Luke? Wouldn't you like the winner to have like a jacket put around them or like a cape or something or a ring or a headband that says I got next on it, Luke? You know what I mean? And then, you know, a holy hammer. Yeah. Like if Josh Emmett wins, you know, then it's like, okay, let's put it on him. Let's put on the holy hammer. Hashtag holy hammer. He's got next, everybody. And then you take pictures with that thing over your shoulder. And yeah, yeah. Great idea, Luke. You know what I mean? Holy freaking hammer. If that's the case, make as many interim title fights as you want because the, the stakes are big. Just don't give them the same looking UFC championship that you win when you're the real champion. Because that's not it. So what do you do here, Luke? Just change the color of the belt so people know for sure that that guy who wore it is just the interim champion. Or am I just really wasting time on a stupid show off this secondary camera that looks like it's the 1980s right now? I'm not even level, Luke. Maybe that's on me. Maybe that's technology getting me wrong. But are you liking where I'm going with this or just move on?
0: I I like the idea. I mean, I've been the one who's been saying, like, the interim championships, you know, borrowed from the idea of boxing is a bit of a waste. But considering, A, I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do in this division right now. And then, two... You indicated it, I've said it a million times, like this is why Ngannou should have fought fought for a title, excuse me, an interim title when he fought against Rosenstruck at that COVID or po- during the, the the first show back from COVID in May of 2020, whenever that was. The, I forget the number of the the UFC pay-per-view. He should have done that. But here, you know what? I'm going to join you. Fuck this. What am I doing? Keep that there.
1: Yeah, Aaron Bronstetter has said over Twitter that I'm dressed like Chuck Mindenhall today on Halloween, Luke, and I didn't. You know, I don't know if that's Chuck's gimmick. So I got to create something different here, right?
0: I'm just saying he like with this, you you make the interim prize for more money. You know what I'm saying? Make the interim prize for more. Are we going to go rob a bank? What are we doing right now? <laughs> are we going to rob a bank in a terrible Ben Affleck movie? What are we doing?
1: If we do, we should buy better technology. Okay, that's what we should do, Luke. All right.
0: Uh, I'm just pointing out with this. BC. last point and I'll take this mask off. Yes, there are ways to make the interim title more attractive, and there's things we could do, but just having it as we have it now is already, people should put a little bit more respect and prestige on it because it actually does carry, I would argue, a little bit more value than the interim titles you see for, like, the WBO or whatever the fuck, you know?
1: Absolutely on that. Hey, um, Luke, did you see that... Um uh bsl bloodstain lane called out jake paul and said he now believes absolutely that he has what it takes to beat him i mean jake paul is not a boxer luke he's an mma star in your eyes so why don't you go back after the ultimate mma troll and heckler
0: right <laughs> i'd be down okay thank you. <laughs> i'd be down to see that thank you. uh that'd be kind of fun but uh, probably not going to happen. Probably no. not going to happen. All right, back to Cater
1: right. versus Emmett, Luke. Uh, you know, that's, not all, that's much all I can... really
0: have. It's a disorganized mess currently at featherweight, but it's just not the roadmap ahead is going to be very unclear. Hey, did I you still see... think if you, again, if you're doing most deserving, last thing you're doing most deserving, most deserving interim title, Yair versus Emmett. Period. That's it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right, let's go to quickly. There's a Bellator event that happened. It got kind of overshadowed by everything else that happened over the weekend. It was in Italy. BC, it was Bellator 287. Topic number four here. I'm going to mispronounce his name because I watched the uh, fights on mute, but it's Mansour. I knew a Mansour who was a singer in Iran. Barnawi? 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 I, I can't say it. I can't say Barnawi,
1: it. Barnawi, Luke. It's Barnawi, okay?
0: Barnawi. Shook up the lightweight division, of course, by beating Adam Piccolotti and, dude, kind of housed him, having his back for basically a round and a half until he finished him off with a choke. How does this shake up the weight class?
1: I think it's a new player. And there was a lot of, you know, under the radar hype for this guy coming in. He hadn't fought since 2019. I think they said on the broadcast, you know, he was over like 1,200 days inactive. I don't know if the math matches up there, but uh, he came out here and instantly got, you know, got the attention he was looking for with that second round submission, uh, just seemed to dominate on the ground. This guy looks very interesting, Luke. He looks like he's, he's a finished product ready to potentially... Wreck havoc. Thirty years old from Tunisia. Has you know his last loss? Luke was to Matej Gamra back in twenty sixteen.
0: Yeah, he's pretty good.
1: He one This is now eight in a row for him. I don't. What? What is the story behind that long gap? Do you have an, an answer on that? I'm not sure. No, I don't know. All right. Well, the long break. He's he's back. It was a strong Bellator introduction. And uh, I, you know what does this mean for the lightweight division? You've got a, instantly a new player who, who's who's tall, long. And strong, especially on the ground, and was able to manhandle Pekalati and and really, uh, really make a large statement here on Saturday.
0: For me, remember what Scott Coker said earlier this year in September that there was going to be in 2023 a Bellator lightweight tournament. Let me read to you the rankings. Now we don't know who's going to be in that tournament, but you got to have eight players, including the champion. So right now there would be Usman Nurmagomedov, Benson Henderson, obviously patricki Tofik Musayev, Sydney Outlaw, Brent Primus, Alexander uh, Shabley, Islam Mamadov, AJ McKee, and Peter queely Then, of course, now you can add Mansoor to the list, dude. That's all of a sudden like that's a great division. We talk about Bellator's lightweight division is pretty strong. Their light heavyweight, excuse me, their featherweight division anyway. And then we talk about their light heavyweight division is also pretty strong. Here, I would say lightweight. This is a good introduction to it. Again, this fight wasn't even fucking close. By the way, uh, uh, what's his face? Mansoor out there hitting the Giggler sweep in modern MMA. It's a surprising sweep. He shouldn't be able to hit it, but he did. He gets it, gets on top, finds the back relatively easily in the second round, and then closes the show. Dude, I would put him... I mean, I, can he beat Usman Nurmagomedov? I don't know. Benson Henderson? I don't know. Tofik Musayev? I don't know. And then Alexander Shabley sitting at six. I wouldn't know about that either. But any of the other guys, could he beat him? Yeah. Like, I think he could very much beat him. So... Uh, this is a very fun new introduction at just the right time for Bellator as they head into the lightweight Grand Prix, whenever that will be, coming up next year. A good, good addition. And also also just good to get guys internationally for when they want to go back to France. I think he has actually French connections as well. Um, fun little addition. Fun little addition, I have Dude, to say. There was a,
1: you know, there was a preliminary, preliminary card. There was some dark bouts. There was like 20 fights on this card. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, you see a lot of that when you have regional shows where they're just kind of keeping guys busy or they owe them a certain amount of fights yeah. and they don't have broadcast time for it. Shout out, out to that-
1: Mansour for the big win. Look, you haven't had Mansoors since you were uh, an angry, single, lonely guy, right?
0: I don't even know what that means. I knew a guy named Mansour. He was my best friend's uh, uncle, and he was a singer. Old Mansour could sing. In Farsi, but he could sing. You don't God even want to it. talk
1: about Chase Hooper getting sent to the uh, to the to the rear bunk of hell, Luke. That was that was a rough. Yeah, day I was going to do
0: that for a little bit later. What did you think about it?
1: Tough, tough. Uh, you know, tough development for a guy whose jujitsu is is better than the rest of his game, and maybe giving him uh, a higher level of confidence than than the development of of, of his full skills has necessitates has necessitated, Luke. Um, That was tough to watch, man. Got dropped three times, got finished in just over a minute.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the problem with going to the UFC too early. You know, everybody thinks that they're ready. And I, I'm not picking on Chase. I think he's a smart guy. And maybe he did think he was ready. Maybe he thought he could, you know, leverage his skills. But you just got to be really careful about that. It's hard to know. Fair enough. These decisions aren't easy. And again, it's not like anybody's making huge bank on the regional scene. I totally get it. But if your timing isn't right in terms of when you enter the organization, not only will you not get your maximum results but you could actually set them backward a little bit. I don't know if he's necessarily in that spot yet, but it's a tough run, man. It's a tough it's a tough spot he's in. I don't I don't envy it. He's a smart guy, so I think he'll figure out the right path one way or the other. But, you know, you, everything's got to be in place at the right time and if it's not, it's just it's not going to work. Um so it seems like it may have been a little bit rushed. We'll see. Uh, all right, BC. Let's round, let's finish things off here on the boxing side of things. Well, Topic look, number five. I wanted to
1: say that this may end up becoming our worst episode of all time, and if it does, I just want to thank everybody who stays with us until the end, and we'll make it up to you in a big way. Okay.
0: Okay, we don't have to like tell them that, but I guess we can.
1: Yeah, th- this might be the as as low as bad as it gets. Right, me f- arguing over a camera not plugging in correctly and for just losing minutes. my spirit for life in the process, and just yeah. Now I All like right, a B.C., let's keep it together. Let's okay, keep it together. Let's keep it together.
0: Topic number five. Let's get back to boxing here for just a little bit. A bit of a roundup very quickly. B.C., Vasily Lomachenko gets it done against Jermaine Ortiz, but barely. Here's one where I was very wrong. I thought he was going to go in there and march down this guy. And that didn't happen. Now, Lomachenko did win, but you had Ortiz coming to a strong start early, switching stances midway through, and then Lomachenko having a bit of a late run there through the course of that fight. But he had to earn it. What was your biggest takeaway from this fight?
1: Yeah, I think it was a little bit of everything that 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 came together and made a, a recipe for a very entertaining fight. And that little bit of everything is Vasily Lomachenko out for nearly a full year, you know, on the front lines there in Ukraine in in sort of like a neighborhood battalion group that was protecting the, the area he comes from. So he's been out of the game, and he's also a slow starter, which I thought was adequately pointed out by Tim Bradley on the broadcast, that, you know, he was a slow starter against Teofimo in that big loss that he had a couple fights back. But once he started to make the adjustments, you did see the Loma of old come back, and boy, did he make some big-time adjustments late when he really poured it on, and I thought the, division, the decision was rightful in his favor but both of us really overlooked the potential here for Jermaine Ortiz, who has had a big year, won on Showbox in the main event, then went on to ESPN and, and retired Jamel Herring with a big decision win. And Luke, in this one, look, when someone's fighting their former sparring partner, and we didn't necessarily like, you know, Wilder against Hellenis, so you never love that because you you think, oh, the bigger name, the better fighter of the two, he already knows he can handle that guy. We do have to be careful on putting the scarlet letter on those type of situations, because in the, in this case particularly, Jermaine Ortiz was confident from the time he put in more than a year ago preparing Lomachenko for his win over Richard Comey. And, you know, when you are sparring, you're trying to mimic somebody else. And, and as he talked about in the lead up to here, he didn't show Lomachenko during that sparring that he can switch stances, that he can do some things. When you've got an unbeaten, hungry guy in Jermaine Ortiz who's trying to make his moment, and he was in this fight, you know, that whole adage of, well, he doesn't know how to lose. I think that was the case here. Jermaine Ortiz fought his balls off. Was he better in the first half than the second half? Yes. But he switched stances, as you indicated. His speed was, was, you know, faster than I expected it to look against somebody like Lomachenko. And even though he's not really a pure boxer and not really a pure puncher, his hybrid game was, was... Enough to make this a compelling fight, a very high-level fight that I thought was the right test for Lomachenko to prepare him for that for the next time he's ready to swing big, which looks to be Devin Haney, who was in attendance in that front row, has all four lightweight titles. Lomachenko, the former unified champion in this division before his loss to Teofimo, that, yeah, sometimes even you and I need to slow a bit and let the fight play out because you can't win or lose on paper. And in this case, Jermaine Ortiz fought his ass off, tried his best. But I think the guile, the ability to switch, uh, the ability to cut those angles and get right in Ortiz's face with the kind of, you know, curious, crafty punches he doesn't see coming. I mean, I mean, look, Lomachenko has always been the master at doing sort of a reverse two-punch combination. You want to see the best of it? Look at up his uh, knockout of Rocky Martinez, Roman Rocky Martinez, which happened in the same arena a bunch of years back in a smaller weight class. He doesn't lead with the jab. He leads with the power hand. But then comes back with squaring up with that straight jab. He landed that on Ortiz and in key moments to take control of rounds. He scored a ridiculous knockout of over Martinez that I mentioned. With that, he's just freaking crafty. We knew that coming in. It took him longer than I think a lot of us thought. But once he figured that out and switched it up, in the end, look, it was the scorecards read seven five eight four and nine to three.
0: That nine to to three is crazy.
1: Yeah. Somewhere in that seven, five, eight, four, I think was the best scorecard overall. But I like that Lomachenko was tested. Could you be critical and come out of this going, man, maybe he's not still the same guy. Well, look, he is aging, right? You also sometimes can only put forth a certain performance against, you know, how you prepare, how you assume the other guy's going to be. He made the adjustments he needed to. I think Ortiz overachieved Lomachenko's aging just a bit. But I don't think that slows down the momentum of what can be a great fight between Lomachenko and Devin Haney and one that Lomachenko still can win because he can do things that nobody else can. At the end of the day, I enjoyed the fight. I think Jermaine Ortiz grows from this loss. I think he showed out on the very elite pound for pound level that he can be in a fight like this. So I think all in all, I was very happy with what I saw.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't add, I don't really have much to add to that BC except to say that you, as you indicated they brought Devin Haney in the ring. He was doing a little bit of stuff not for commentary but at the desk where they were talking to him and that looks to be what's next. I have to tell you I would have picked a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago I still would have picked Lomachenko. I think after what we've seen recently I'm going to go with Haney. I don't know if you've made that switch yet. I don't know how you feel, but I I tend to think that this is not a this is not a version of Lomachenko who can't win, BC. But I'm not believing that this isn't a somewhat, somewhat diminished version of him relative to his peak, whenever you want to say that is. Yeah. I just don't feel like it's exactly the same guy, and I feel like just that amount of slippage is all that needs to happen for Haney to be a little bit better.
1: We need to remind ourselves that Lomachenko is operating in a division that's, that's, you know, Upwards of two divisions above where his actual physical prime was, and a reminder that he only left the 126 and 130 pound divisions because he got to a point where nobody would fight him. So already over his head. In hindsight, did he start too late against Teofimo? He rallied back, nearly forced a draw. Yes. Let's also remember that that version of Teofimo, you don't find too many fighters that you know with that level of speed, power, and creativity uh, uh, that Lomachenko lost to. I would favor Devin Haney. I really believe, along with Shakur Stevenson moving forward in this sport, that these two are the goods. These two will be competing for -for pound-for-pound lordship, and hopefully they'll end up fighting each other now that they're in the same division sooner than later. But you want to talk about the ultimate test for Haney. He did what he had to do. He took the two fights in Australia against Cambosis. He's got the four titles. This is going to be an interesting fight. This is the ultimate chess match in so many ways. But, Luke, we need a Lomachenko who's going to enter that fight realizing that he can't he can't start too slow because those openings may not end up being there against somebody who's longer than him and haney who has Mm. top level speed who has great iq who's got some pop on there um i can't wait to see what it looks like at least lomachenko passed the test now we can make that fight happen but i do want to reiterate that size difference tell me if i'm wrong the first three or four rounds jermaine ortiz who again fought aggressive was quick just size difference alone, it looked like he was had the potential to overwhelm Lomachenko during the course of the entire night. So he's giving up a lot in these weight classes, which means, particularly in the second half of the fight when he turns it up, he's got to do more than expected to beat somebody like Haney.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, look at what Ortiz did in the first few rounds to gain success. He was behind that pumping jab. That jab was all over uh Lomachenko in setting range and it was hurting him and that's something that Haney really excels at he has a phenomenal active working educated jab so uh that could be proof and I I also like your point too BC like Lomachenko starts slow which is true seems to me he's okay the, the fight against Lopez was really bad but in general I'm seeing him a little bit slower and slower each time to make adjustments very slightly but take some you know I I would have thought he would have made adjustments a little bit sooner in this fight. You could say third round, he got a little bit changed up, but even then, you know, he was still having to work from behind in certain circumstances. So, again, he's just a little bit, little bit off of that elite pedestal he was on for a little while, and I think that makes him a lot more uh, fun, given how much more parity there are in these fights. Now, last but not least, BC takes us to Katie Taylor, who just wiped the floor with uh Elizabeth Karen Elizabeth Godabaal winning 98 92 99 91 and then 191 good Lord uh she improves to 22 and0 BC she wants a rematch with Amanda Serrano in Dublin is this the biggest no-brainer in boxing certainly in women's boxing
1: oh no no question about it Croke Park make it happen right this is the this is the fight Katie Taylor's 36 she kept that unbeaten record alive she did what she had to do she absolutely dominated. This was what? Was this her first performance since the Serrano fight? I
0: believe, I believe that's was, right, right,
1: yes. Um, the you know, the window is is getting a little smaller, it's closing. She's not as young, you know, she's not that young. She had a long amateur career, but she's the ultimate consistent professional. The only one that gave her any kind of trouble, legitimate trouble, was Delphine Pursoon She came back and ran that back that rematch and clearly won. And now she's had that fight with with Serrano. I went back and looked up. I scored that fight. 96-94 for Katie Taylor. There mm. certainly was an argument for Serrano. It ended up being a split decision. But we do need to see that a second time. And look, the fir- I mean, it, it's crazy how much that first fight, which was in Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, exceeded expectations, had the weight of the world on their shoulders of like, if anyone is ever going to watch a women's boxing fight and never has before, watch that one. That one was one of the best fights we've ever seen. It deserves to be, you know, run back in the biggest possible uh, setting. And given the fact that Taylor did win the first one, she's unbeaten. She's the bigger star, although Serrano more decorated across multiple weight classes. Let's do that for Katie Taylor. I mean, look, I don't know how much longer she wants to keep doing this. You know, could she fight uh, Elisa Baumgartner or could Michaela Mayer win back her title and we can do fights? Yeah, there's there's always, you know, we're in a good spot women's boxing wise where there are some interesting options of people who can move up or down into Katie Taylor's window. But, you know, I, if she fought Serrano a second time in her home country there in a spectacle, and if she was able to win it, I wouldn't be upset if she walked away right there. She's she's put forth a, a career that is going to be hard to rival, you know, in the history of, of women's boxing. Obviously, we've already had great legends, you know, Layla Lee, Hall of Famer, retired, undefeated. She didn't fight Ann Wolfe, though more, you know, a different story for another day though, but it seems like Taylor's trying to fight everybody she possibly can. So, uh, this was the win she needed to keep the wheels moving, defend those four titles, but let's just, you know, put a mythical date on that calendar for next year. And, uh, I don't think you can overblow how, how great that first fight was and how big this event can, could be for the sport. If they do it again,
0: certainly agree with all of that. All right, BC. Uh that's it for our top five topics. Let's do it now where the folks get to ask us questions. Oh,
1: real quick, just, just want to yes. mention it. Uh DAZN had a had a separate boxing broadcast, uh Golden Boy, Todd Grisham on the call. Big win for unbeaten William Zepeda. Stepped in there against Jojo Diaz Jr., who, as we know, is as battle-tested as it comes in the smaller weight classes, always trying to fight the biggest name available. Uh basically shut him out across the board. Undefeated from Mexico. Don't confuse him with, with um, Jose Zepeda from Top Rank, who's going to be fighting for a 140-pound title against Ruguru coming up. But this other Zepeda is coming on. Luke, he handled Jojo Diaz in a way that I didn't see coming. So uh, big ups to him on, as he continues his unbeaten run.
0: There you have it. All right, time now for DMs from the Diggity Dogs. Let's get to it. All right, as you guys know, we put up a post on Instagram on Sundays. You guys fill it up with questions. The producers pick them. NBC rubs his eyes. All right, BC, from, I think it's Ghost Hardware. After seeing Izzy, he put those awful tournaments he had in Auckland, Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva Box, is it safe to put to bed the idea that strikers in MMA have elite hands? BC, what do you think?
1: Well, it's elite hands for their sport, right? For their particular sport, yes. It's. It, I don't know if it puts to rest that they have... I don't know, it's, it's, it's matchup-based. I mean, look... If it wasn't for the fact that UFC fighters under contract aren't going to leap out, when we were talking earlier about Jake Paul may need to escalate and find someone more his size, but also in the same kind of category where they've got a little bit of experience, but not a ton, in a a mythical world, wouldn't Izzy be the best matchup for him? Why Izzy? Who's bigger, can punch, can move. You don't like the idea of some mythical jake paul izzy boxing match i mean you'd need uncle dana to get involved and you
0: know i would say izzy beats him izzy has real boxing experience like professional so isn't that
1: the boss at the end of the video game and this jake paul experiment of not fighting real boxers in their prime but trying to make matchups with people that are famous for other reasons that that that's an interesting one right
0: there if it were more available i'd say yes but it seems highly unlikely given the realities i would say this i mean I don't think folks understand just how different boxing is from regular MMA in terms of the striking. It's not the distance is different. There are obviously a lot of similar, similarities that you want to incorporate, but that's just not the same kind of fight. Also, yes, Jake Paul is highly selective about who he fights. There's that as well. But the other part is this too. Like Again, we're going to say it over and over again. Jake Paul's not a world-level fighter. He's not half bad. He's not half bad. He's kind of oh, decent for what he is. I wouldn't have said that after either of the Woodley fights after this one. He's he's all right. He's all right. He's okay. Like he can do a little bit. And because he is specializing in one kind of thing, and he is very selective over who he fights, you're getting the results that you're getting. Does it mean that guys like Uriah Hall and Anderson Silva and and Izzy in their primes don't have you know relatively decent boxing games? Yeah, they're probably relatively decent boxing games. Izzy perhaps the best among them, given that he actually has a fair amount of experience in that. But uh yeah, well, it's like it's
1: different, dude. not only is the footwork different, the stance is different. I mean, everything's different, different. The range is different, the
0: power's different, everything's different.
1: So, I mean, you can be a great boxer in the MMA sense, and it doesn't app it's not fully applicable in the boxing sense unless you put in that work and, and, and you're able to do that. I mean, that was why again, folks, you know, it's easy now to to do the whole Anderson Silva was a 50-year-old. Well, first of all, he's 47. But, you know, he also didn't get knocked out. He fought well. It was a fun fight. But it's easy now to focus only on how old Anderson Silva was. But the reason why we focused on him being potentially the one that Jake reached too far was because he had made those adjustments to, to changing the MMA striking style to boxing and had had, you know, further experience than most have. You know, you pointed out, yeah, Izzy's a rare guy who has had some pro fights outside of this and and, and maybe could make that same type of transition had he wanted to. but. um yeah, I mean, it, you just have it's, – it's all a grain of salt. It's like – You know, yeah, look, I mean, our, you,
0: you and I not only predicted that Silva would win, but I, w- I want to say this one more time very clearly that, you know, listen, if you go out there and say, like – and I did say this. I did not think Jake was going to take this fight because I, I remember when Dana said it, I was like, oh, yeah, Dana's right. He'll never take this fight. If the guy actually does the thing that you say he won't do and then wins in the thing you said he not only won't do but can't do, you – you need you need to be consistent here and not move the goalposts and be like, well, Anderson's forty-seven. You need to say, Yeah, the dude's better than I thought he was. I'll say it. He's better than I thought he is now. Again, after the the two Woodley fights, I did not necessarily have that high of an opinion. Even now I recognize he's nowhere close to anything elite from the professional ranks. He's all right. He's not half bad. And that's 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 a pretty that's a that's a decent thing to be, BC.
1: Do you think Silva kind of stole the perfect opponent? Like, you know, I know Jake may end up fighting a Tommy Fury and you know, both Tommy Fury and Rockman are in the same category where they are real boxers, but there's some legitimate questions about either their work ethic or their effectiveness. I mean, Chavez Jr. really was the perfect opponent for Jake, but Silva kind of kind of took that from him and exposed that, right?
0: Yeah, it seems that way. It seems like what, I mean, God, you know who comes out looking terrible in all of this? is Chavez Jr. My Lord, yeah. you yeah, know? I mean, his, his stock after this, it's not like we take away what Anderson did to him because we saw it. It was actually pretty impressive what he was able to do. But in terms of what we can now say about the stock or ability or even the care level we have for Chavez Jr. at this point, good Lord, it, it sunk even lower after this. But I just, I mean, MMA fans, if you went out there and said he couldn't do this and he wouldn't do it and then he goes and fucking does it, dude, you owe him a little bit of respect. You, you sa- I said he wouldn't do it. I said he couldn't do it. He fucking did. Like you just have to take your L like a man, recognize this dude's a little bit better than you thought he
1: was and move on to the next. It's not that hard. All right. The whole idea about the specialization of skills though. I mean, it's like, you know, are are the people that win the gold medal in the Olympic decathlon are they threats to win the gold in every, you know, in every individual category no, going fuck up no. against them? No, they're not, right? It's it's a it's a event made to showcase how well-rounded you could be. Right. Mixed martial arts has that in the title. It's mixed. It can show you know you can win with one discipline, but at the end of the day, to be consistent and to, and to, and to win on, on the highest level, you've got to be able to do it all. So it doesn't mean that if you pull... I mean, we saw when Brendan Schaub tried to grapple that guy, right?
0: <laughs> uh, Cyborg Abreu. Yeah. Yes,
1: we saw what happened yeah. there, Luke.
0: Was, was not the most fun. But, no. you know, again, it's like uh, people can't seem to realize that like the reason why they're lashing out at Jake is because he's winning in this contest between himself and MMA. He's the one who keeps getting the upper hand and they just can't stand it. It's like, maybe just come to peace with it. All right. At Jimmy underscore read BC. What do you guys think about Askar Askarov requesting his release from the UFC and apparently being granted? I think I can hear BC's tears through the screen. BC, you go first.
1: No, I don't have tears through the screen. Look, first of all, I like, you know, we had the same rumor the week before as Piotr Jan from DC considering leaving. His situation is different than Askarov. I mean, Askarov didn't make weight, right? And, he, and that fight got pulled? That's what happened, right? Last time? Something like that, yeah. If he wants to go somewhere else, that's fine. I, I want to live in a world where somebody can go, you know what, this is just not working out for me. Can I get out of my deal? It's rare when it happens. That's why we kind of talked to Corey Anderson that time on the RSD couch. Everyone's situation is unique, but I wouldn't cry over this. If Ascroft's like, F this, I want to go somewhere else, then let's see it. Luke, he's going to be a threat. As long as he can get his weight on track, he's going to be a threat to win a world title in any organization. As he was in the UFC, he just was unable to fully realize that, despite having a draw with the, you know, with the former champion there, and Brandon Moreno, and and really only losing in a fight with with Kai Car France, in which you know he may have come back too early, it and, and, and it was close, didn't quite do enough, wasn't at full capacity. Um, I want to see this guy have his chance to, to to be his best. If if UFC's just not working out for him, and he can get out of it, go. Go, dude, I did see it again.
0: Him. I want to be clear. It's not confirmed in any way, but I did see some reports indicate that he may have some kind of long-term injury he's dealing with uh, or some kind of ailment um, that he's trying to work through and that that could be part of the reason for this. So
1: yeah. we'll have to wait and see. It new sucks rule for the division, to live by. but new rule to live by in life. If You don't like where you're at and you can go, go get out of that toxic relationship. If it's not working out for you at the UFC, you want out and they'll let you out? Go. If this is the worst episode of morning combat history and you're sick of Luke's jacket and the name Jake Paul, don't go. Don't buy his fights. Don't show up on Mondays when we have tech issues coming off of a big flight and we're all angry and tired. Go.
0: I think it's just you who's angry and tired. I feel pretty well, well, well refreshed. Okay. Well, anything. Uh, possible. All right. BC, so at It's Not Cage Fighting. This is a weird question because I don't think that they will be, but so far... Why has the UFC been unwilling to introduce an interim featherweight title despite Volk not being available to defend for potentially 12 months? They will put one in, right? It seems like a foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah, they will because that's what they do. Um, and, and yeah, we already we already laid out the good and the bad with that. But
0: um, oh, BC, how about this? If Volk goes in there, and I don't imagine this is going to happen, but let's say he goes in there and then just Aldo, Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo's him, just one shot, some blam. So he's got, like, no injury to deal with. Like, he feels fresh then they may have some choices to make, but the chance of that happening is what? Close, not quite, but close to zero, something like that?
1: Yeah. Hey, what type of substances do you think Connor's taking for this roadhouse uh, uh, acting thing? Because remember that time Sylvester Stallone got caught in Australia with like 7,000 pounds of HGH? Yeah.
0: I don't know what substance he's taking, but based on what he's putting on social media, I'm going to say all of them.
1: Stanisol? Stanisol?
0: I'm just going to say all of them.
1: Okay. Wind straw. Yeah. 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 The, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. The ben Johnson... have,
0: The good news is because the adults are here, the anti-doping adults are here. Yeah. We Really have great transparency about it all. So I really appreciate that they're here and that they've really done what they said they're going to do. So shouts to them. When
1: you finally make the decision, I know you're close, but you're being a little wishy washy. When you finally buy in. On this TRT move for your own personal life, Luke. I want you to go deeper than TRT. I want you to find. We'll find out exactly what Ben Johnson took at the '88 Olympics. <laughs> Remember when he just <laughs> smoked Carl Lewis by like you know three body lengths? We got to get you on that, Luke.
0: It is tempting. I have so many dudes in my DMs telling me about all the ways they've taken steroids and how much it's helped their lives. I've, I'm I'm close. I'm close. Well,
1: look at look at Lorenzo Fertitta. Look how yes. happy he is.
0: He looks happy. All right, BC, we got to move along. From at Telvin Kipapa, favorite Halloween costume he put you ever wear I'm going to guess it's war.
1: Well, he's from um, Hawaii, brah. So he's like, you know, he's just like chilling, right? You know, I like Telvin Kipapa a lot. Got to learn ben. how to
0: conjugate and these he, verbs, people. All right. Like, what's what do you your think, most you think?
1: memorable Halloween costume you ever put together in war?
0: Dude, I've always had bad ones i've me always too. had me, i've me always too. had just shit costumes. i've always
1: been lazy too of like you know i was that kid who would wear the u- little league uniform out and just be like yeah i'm a baseball player what do you want from me give me your candy right? i don't really care about this Come on. <laughs> i've never been a big halloween guy luke okay we make jokes about it now that like you know See,
0: tukey is i mean dude she's been dressing up every day for the last like two weeks it's oh, yeah. believable. It's just- um best costume i've ever weared weird <laughs> uh <laughs> BC, I don't, I dude, all of mine have been fucking shit. I can say I all know. the times I've been like mocked for the shitty ones I've had.
1: Dude, I, in a, I went to a party in uh, third grade and you, you remember like there's good costumes or you could go down to like the cheap department store, like we had Ames department store and you could buy for really cheap, like the plastic costume, it'd be like. It looked like a poncho and the and they had the plastic mask with the string. You know what I mean? It was like the the yeah. the I bought a Gobots costume and I wore that to that third grade Halloween party, thinking I was going to be cool. I walked in and every single person had homemade costumes.
0: Yes, dude. You know what? My fucking parents, man. My mom. My parents were split up, so I did mo- virtually all of my Halloweens with my mom, except when I went to my dad's and he was just 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 chucking out Roy Rogers coupons. <laughs> in 1980s washington dc just begging to be vandalized by every piece of shit in that neighborhood okay and he was too by the way uh my parents always had this rule like you can be whatever you want but you have to make it i'm like motherfucker what is this fucking what i look like the master of arts and crafts i can barely tie my fucking shoes why are you making me do this bullshit So I always had just the fucking shittiest costumes because I always had to make it. Like, my parents are Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum, and I got to go fucking walk it out and show them how I did it, you know, uh, later on. So, I mean, I had, like, the world's shittiest ninja, the world's shittiest fucking, you know, anything. It was just all bad all the time. To show you how old
1: I was at that Halloween party when I stood in the corner, embarrassed the whole party that I had the cheap, like, plastic costume and everybody else's parents, like, for hours, you know, made them the... They played Thriller on vinyl the entire party. The dad just kept putting it back on, flipping it on record. Now vinyl's cool now, Luke. I mean, I mean, look, I don't have to like show you how cool vinyl is. I mean, look at this, Luke. Look at this right here. Is
0: that two live crew. Who is that? No,
1: but it's pretty awesome. And like, I got another one for you, Luke. Hold on. You're just showing
0: here. us women's asses today. What are we doing?
1: I mean, look at, I got a lot of like rare ones, Luke. I mean, look at this. (laughs) Oh wait, (laughs) maybe not that one, maybe not that one. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you get my point. What's old is new. But well, Luke, you know, as a kid, as, you know, I'm so old that at that Halloween party they were playing it unironically. You know, there you Dude, go.
0: You I mean, have that within reach because you've been spinning that record, DJ Scribble. I know yeah, you no, no, no. Shout
1: out, shout out to my boy Enoch from uh, Nice Price Record and Books in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Sometimes he sends me some some fun records in the mail. Like, so, do you uh,
0: remember uh, DJ Scribble from 1990s uh, MTV? Of course, yes. So do you remember his famous trick where he used to drink a 40 while he was while he while he would scratch?
1: uh no i don't remember that
0: so he turned out it was all a lie bc it was filled with apple juice he that's, later confessed he would never actually drink a 40 and then scratch nah. on our show uh, all right last but, least, last but not hey, least last but do you BC. want to do
1: like an edward 40 hands throwback one time because i was too old for that luke i had like gotten out of the game by the time i have, that I have
0: done edward 40 hands yeah i've played that stupid game we should do it. that
1: one night on, on this show probably that's probably a lot of
0: it. drinking i don't want to do all right lastly from Jay's Graham 25 this is a weird question. I'm not sure how comfortable I am with it. Luke, if you could torture murder Brian <laughs> in a Saw-like way, which way would you choose? So that's a reference
1: to the to the fantastic first Saw horror movie. Just a classic. See,
0: I wouldn't do the Saw thing where the guy was just laying on his face the whole time in that torture chamber. Because I'm not that creative. But I got to say, from what's the one with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman? Um, the With the, the heads in the box. Seven. Seven. Oh, shout
1: out to, wow, Long Island Luke all over that.
0: Where he made the fat guy eat all that stuff and then, like, burst his stomach. I would just feed you gas station hot dogs until you just went.
1: Yeah, I've never seen that movie yet. Maybe I'll watch it so we can talk about it.
0: It's pretty good, actually. Although the the detectives are using typewriters in the movie, so I'm guessing people who were born, you know, 20 years ago and are now watching movies like that are probably like, what the fuck were they living like back then? Um, Not sure what to tell you. But, yeah, I'd probably just feed you to death, BC. How does that sound?
1: I mean it's it's really dark so what maybe we should just move on and get into like some dark like videos of people getting injured really bad, especially old people. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: ready for some elder abuse. Let's let's go through I'm
1: sorry, folks. This has not been the dream episode. I you know I gotta mean? say I, the Bill Cosby record really got me. That was yeah. We fought, yeah there's the one highlight of it. You know, was, we try to be real. Funny. I mean, look, not everybody likes Jake Paul. So for some people, last week was a big mail in from this show. But I got it. We're done. Listen,
0: listen, we're done until he fights. Whenever the <laughs> fuck next time he fights. Well, so. I want people
1: to know that. Through some of that, I mean, Jake Paul content was some great stuff. Did you watch the pregame preview with us, Danny and uh, and Sean Alshadi, Luke? I mean, that was that was high comedy. If also,
0: you like also, let me just say this: I want to thank everyone who watched us do the commentary for the prelims. BC yes. and I got to call the prelims, which, by the way, we were on the floor. We got to call the prelims. The guy who runs all of Showtime Boxing came over and wished us luck, like. I, I grant that some of you guys, you may not be interested in Jake Paul co- co- coverage. I get it. But on some level, if you care about me and BC at all, which you don't have to, but if you do, it was good for us. It was good for us to get these reps. It was good for us to get this opportunity. I know BC is certainly also calling Showbox, which is a great thing for him. But for your boy like me, I don't get chances like that absent these opportunities. So I got to be grateful for them when they come. I was grateful for it, and I'm grateful for everybody who watched.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. We'll be back at it this coming Saturday, by the way. Showtime Championship boxing is back, Luke. We'll be be getting some prelim action again, you and I. So let's enjoy that. Okay. Uh, What I did yesterday was I got off the plane and I complained about how tired I was. And I was in the bathroom for a long time. I got to say, BC, this was the grumpiest
0: I've ever seen you on a trip. This was the grumpiest I've ever seen you. Now, it was aided by the fact, or I should say worsened, exacerbated, By the fact that we had to drive seven and a half hours each way to get to the fucking stadium. I mean, we were like 40
1: minutes away, but that's fine. So, Luke, let me apologize for that. You know, sometimes we hit certain ruts in life and then we got to look in the mirror and realize that, you know, I'm asking him to change his ways. So I'm going to I got to clean up. Luke. I got to clean up in a few key life categories. So that starts today. All right. You won't see me that angry again. Life is too fun. All right. So what I did yesterday after I got out of the restroom an hour later was I scoured the globe for the high and low, the good and the bad, the ugly on the internet and combat sports and beyond. You can call it Bisays says, but I, I call it the shit of the week. Have you seen it?
0: That's the question. Have you fucking seen it?
1: Alright. Hey, UFC fight night from the apex. Middleweight Trayshawn Gore. Oh, I ch- saw this. He choked out Josh Fremd. Luke, what do you call this? This was great.
0: I forget what the actual name of it is, but basically it's just an upside-down kind of guillotine. He's going to twist here and turn, so it's a guillotine here, and then he Whoa. turns. Wow. I think they call this, like, the exorcist guillotine. It's yeah. just a guillotine, but instead of him being face down on the mat, he's face up. I bet you he but did that just for Halloween. Brutal.
1: Yeah, just to celebrate Halloween. That's fantastic. Wow. All right, uh, Luke, let's go to... Uh... The audio here of Khalil Roundtree Jr. I did want to shout him out. He had a nice win to open the main card. A split decision over Dustin Jacoby. He also took on some hecklers in the post-fight interview. Let's listen. Yeah, all the rounds are pretty pretty even. We were both exchanging. He hit me with some. Shut up. He hit me with some. Yeah, I second that. Shut up. Um, <laughs> shut the fuck up, you little shut prick. Shut
0: the fuck up, you little prick. They should just pull in Bob Arams. like, Bob, tell those hecklers to shut up.
1: Look, I don't know if this guy deserves a hashtag holy hammer, but Roman Delize in that preliminary main event oh God, dropped the hammer on Phil Dawes. Damn.
0: Look at this right hand. Bang. Oh.
1: You know what he looks oh. like? A guy who has a very healthy and happy personal life, Luke.
0: He looked like he, was in, he had a good camp. Good fucking Lord, this fucking right hand. Golly.
1: Damn. I mean, we don't talk about Roman a lot. He's got some power. He's, a, he's an animal.
0: He can do it. He can do it.
1: All right. He, he likes beautiful women too, Luke.
0: Yes, he does. Who does? All right.
1: Hey, hey, Paul, hey, pay Paul, showtime pay per view from Glendale. Um, here is probably the highlight of the week when we sat down and we got licked by a horse, and then we got sent to hell by Uriah Hall. Let's revisit. Yeah,
0: we sure did.
1: How are you? We Uriah. love. You. I can't stand these I really can't. All this is for show. Okay. All right. Fair you. enough. Thank you for. <laughs> I can't stand either of these clowns. <laughs> yes. Sure. fair
0: in, fa- in fairness, we can't si- stand us either, so uh, I understand you, Uriah. I understand Thank you.
1: you. You're a good win, by the way, Uriah. Le'Veon Bell can fight a little,
0: right? I was, I was. You know what? He wa- of, of, of like all the people, I walked away like most impressed by. It might be Bell. Like Bell looked like surprisingly good.
1: I think Uriah thought what we all thought that he was just going to walk him down and kind of just body him. Like, look at Uriah, kind of thought the Floyd versus Connor style. You know. Heavy high guard just walked in, but he he kept getting tagged, and I think he had to make some key adjustments there. Um, Luke, real oh no, let's go to Jake and Anderson. I don't know if you saw this during their commercial shoot. Uh, shoot. Who do you who gets the uh, the who's the better dancer of the two here?
0: I mean, is this even in question? Anderson's I mean... out here like funk crip walking, and Jake is just flailing like a fifty-five-year-old man at his teen's daughter's party.
1: I mean, Jake looks like me at a wedding. Look, underrated skill set of your boy, BC, can tear up the wedding dance floor, can tear it up, all right?
0: See, I cannot, but I've taken salsa lessons, so if I have to roll that out, I can at least navigate that path a little all bit. Right. All
1: right. Um, You know, our producer, Ashley, I th- I've, I've bragged about my dancing and hoped that she would invite Morning Combat to our upcoming wedding, and no, nah. no. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ash. Big, real big fan of yours. Okay, hey look, Real, real <laughs> did recognize real in the locker room in Glendale. How about the aforementioned David Benavidez, the super middleweight superstar, dabbing yeah, up wa- Jake. Dude,
0: watch. That's well, one time, two times. Let's see. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Three. Well, That's they should three. get a
1: fourth. Go, go for it a fourth time, please.
0: That's. 4 there it is. Hold on. 5 <laughs> 5 a lengthy one at 5.
1: If and you get to 6, you got to bang at that. Dude, yes. I mean
0: they have to go on a first date now. They just have to go date. Second base.
1: All right. Uh, hey, Luke, on that Seven times,
0: eight times, eight times, eight daps in the course of like 30 seconds. It just like, BC, see you later. BC has dapped me up that many times in our lifetime.
1: That's the amount of hugs your dad has given you, Luke. Yes, <laughs> you could count them
0: on, on a hand and a half.
1: Uh, we mentioned that we were, we were uh, hashtag blessed enough to be on the call for the preliminary bouts of the Showtime pay-per-view card on YouTube. Thanks for watching. Here is... Up-and-coming heavyweight Jeremiah Milton delivering the boom. It's remarkable.
0: He had a very nice squirrely opponent. Two-punch combination.
1: Ooh. looked like Sumter was trying to Ooh. bait him. Oh. And goes Curtis Sumter.
0: Oh. We and then he taunted him.
1: Jeremiah Milton to find his mark. Yeah. Boy, did
0: he. And, and
1: that is it. And
0: Milton taunts him afterwards by doing a bit of
1: the shimmy. Uh, BC and LT, the, the up-and-coming uh, progressive boxing duo. I mean, look, we've the got real gym. chemistry. I think I dabbed you verbally, you know, nine times on that broadcast. You yes. did, you did. All right. Hey, Ashton Silve had a huge first-round finish in the Coleman event, but he turned some heads with his whole Halloween costume offering. Uh, minion style, your thoughts? He's 18 years old. We can't judge him, right?
0: No, I can't judge him, and my daughter loves the Minions, so this okay. would have been her favorite fighter.
1: All right. For, this one's for Tukey. Thank you. Ashton did look good, by the way. He carried himself well. Yeah, he
0: looked He looked sharp. He looked sharp.
1: All right. After the fight, the big news was uh, Jake Paul talking some ish to Dana White. Let's hear a little bit of that. Dana. Dana. What? Bro, you said I wouldn't do this, and, and I did it and with flying colors, uh, but, you know, he's in hiding, you know, he he's trying to do everything he can to, to stop my run, to sabotage my fights. Um, he hates me. He hates me. He hates what I'm doing. He hates I'm exposing his business, and uh, now, you know, we're going to band together and create a United Fighters Association Uh, to help UFC fighters, all MMA fighters, and and boxers to get more fighter pay, long-term health care. And that's a big, big undertaking that I've been wanting to do for the whole entire time uh, of my career since I met Nikisa. I said it to him on the first day, I want to make a fighters' union. Um, So, man, Dana White can suck this dick. (laughs) <laughs> wow, that was
0: blunt. <laughs> that went aggressive. Uh, there, he's like, "I want to have a fighters union. Suck my dick, Dana."
1: Look, there has been like, people okay. since we we tend to rate that tap bitch on this show. There have been people that said you're letting Jake off easy for that tattoo he has over his ear on his head.
0: I didn't and see he, the one on his. his he, 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 so some of his tattoos are like, eh. Some of the newer ones are very good. I've not really paid close attention to that one. I, I listen. I'll let him know. I don't give a shit. I, you I know, I got know. bad tattoos too. So well, let
1: the road. To Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz begin, and it did begin Saturday before uh, Jake's fight. This is Nate Diaz in the locker uh, outside the locker room slapping the uh, yoga instructor for, for Jake.
0: Look. Yeah, the guy with the tats all over his head there is like the meditation dude, and Nate slapped him up. That was fucking hilarious. I talked to him about it afterwards. He denied all wrongdoing, BC, but also said it was funny.
1: Yeah, well, it continued from there. Here is Team Paul and Team NDA. Uh, throwing shit at each other? I mean, what what was happening here?
0: I, yeah, my understanding was I talked to a few of the people, in, at least from the Nick Diaz side, or the Nate Diaz side, and what they were saying was that they would just essentially cross paths at the wrong time, and that one of the guys on the team, Paul, was getting mouthy, but who the hell knows?
1: All right, there was people tossing drinks. It looked like the Palace Brawl or something. It was wild. All right, let's go to Bellator 287 from Milan. Hey, Luke, Fabian Edwards in the co-main event used his brother Leon's high kick to rock Conor McGregor boy Charlie Ward here. Look at you that. Like that. You like yeah. that?
0: He, he, did, he did it backwards because before it was a punch fake, and then that there it goes. That's what it was right there, the last yeah. one.
1: He would get the victory uh, nice way. I mean, Fabian could fight a little, right?
0: Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, his brother's very, very special, but he's a good fighter. Fabian's you a know, good as,
1: fighter. As they pointed out in the broadcast, um, John Jones couldn't even knock out Machida. Well, I mean, they're Edwards. getting a little bit ahead
0: of themselves with that one. It's like, you know, come on.
1: All right, Hey, like Luke, uh, Luke, uh, light heavyweight, Luke trainer, not related to Luke Thomas. Uh, check out this front kick. He used to set up the takedown in route to his first round submission win over Lucas Alcina, not exactly nice. Silva Belfort, but it was, it was nice.
0: Hey, you know what? It got him confused. Potter's brought his uh, transferred his defense and enabled him to get his forehead inside of his head contact of to the torso, which is really all you need right there.
1: And we know Bellator undercards usually give us one sided massacres. Here was uh, Bantamweight Sarvadzan Kamidov with a KO1 via kick to the gut. Damn.
0: Yeah, that was brutal as shit. Oh. Oh, and it just, he said, no mas. Don't blame yeah, him. At, that shit probably
1: hurt. As an NAFLD survivor, Luke, I take umbrage with that. All right, elsewhere in boxing, the top ranked undercard from New York City. Last time we had Richard Torres Jr. on here, the Olympic medalist from the U.S., he sent that dude to to to, to parts unknown. He was back, and he improved to 4-0 and with four KOs with this finish. I kind of like this guy, Luke. He can punch.
0: I love him, too, and this was a better opponent because the last one definitely was a pre-diabetic gas station attendant. This one yes, was a little bit yes. better, but he didn't fare much better in the end.
1: Uh, top rank loaded up this undercard with prospects. Here's 18-year-old Abdullah Mason. He improved to 5-0 and o on this night with a fourth-round stoppage. Here's some of his handiwork. Remember this name.
0: Ooh, beautiful yes. left hand.
1: Ooh. But, Luke, the one of the big winners in boxing for the weekend, how about 36-year-old former champion Kiko Martinez? He was on a DAZN card. I couldn't card,
0: believe this one.
1: Taking on Jordan Gill as a heavy underdog, and he scored a knockout after dropping Gill multiple times. They had a brawl. This was fun, fun theater here.
0: Kiko Martinez, I thought, had seen his best days, but this was a hell of a performance by him.
1: No question. I mean, I remember he lost to Carl Frampton like 10 years ago for a title, and he just keeps coming back and winning, this guy.
0: And unlike other people who might be Dominican or Puerto Rican or whatever, he actually is Spanish, B.C. He is from Spain.
1: Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Uh, Luke, one of my favorite rage songs is Swing Into the Fire. No, Sleep
0: Now in the Fire.
1: Oh, no, not for this next guy, Luke it's right outside your door not testify come on
0: oh you dumb piece of shit you <laughs> white trash fucking barn animal
1: look, look at de- this
0: look at this barn animal
1: does denim conduct uh fire i mean that is that's great right there wow.
0: i mean first of all you know let the he who's without sin cast the first stone but i think you're a bit big to be on that swing there big country
1: yeah <laughs> wow all right hey let's go to karate combat speaking of halloween rate Boss Rutan and Wonder Boy Thompson's costume offerings.
0: Well, I don't like desecration of the American flag, so that's not really my oh, bit. get
1: that. Come on. Get out of here What do you that. want me to say,
0: B.C.? What He's do you want not me to say? Burning
1: the, like, don't be like Rick Monday. If someone's burning a flag, okay, run out there and save it. B.C., are you aware
0: at, of all at all about any of the requirements of the flag code? Because if you're not, you can just stop the conversation here.
1: So when the Black Crows came out with that, Album cover for Amorica with the uh, American flag crotch. You were against that. Well,
0: here's what I would say. Like, I'm not against, I'm not one of these guys who thinks the Supreme Court should ban flag burning and people should be able to do whatever they want with it legally. But if you're a big pro-Americana guy, there is actually a way you're supposed to treat the American flag. I'm fully familiar with the fat flag code terms. This is right. not that. This All is right. not
1: well, that. Well, we we gotta we gotta get out of here. Here's our KOs of the week. Speaking of karate combat, Luke, what are your thoughts on this one?
0: Brutal as shit. Dude, Karate Combat has, like, some fantastic highlights. Their PR guy lied to us and said they were going to get us an interview with the Mountain, but... Uh, Roy Jones
1: even likes that. Look at that.
0: Yeah. The, I mean, that's, that overhand right was brutal.
1: Um, You know who works for Karate Combat, Luke? Who? Former MK producer. You know who I'm talking about. Al Wenling. Yeah, Alex Wenling. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Yeah.
0: Sh- shouts to Al. Yeah, Karate Combat put, puts out a good, a good product.
1: So These right, are people.
0: To, I don't know about them, but the product's
1: pretty good. All right, Luke. That's our first offering for KOs of the week. Let's go to the X Games for our second offering or the Do Tour or whatever the hell this is. Oh, Spoiler geez. alert, it doesn't end well. Whoa! <laughs> oh. Yikes. That's the, oh, pressure. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to hit it. I thought he was going to hit air. it. Oh, he hit it face first, Luke. Tough break. John, now, I have a question to-
0: for you at this press conference. Flat.
1: <laughs> let's go to regional MMA. You know, they always give us knockouts of the week.
0: Oh, Woo. and she was standing tall too. Good Lord.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Str- look at her strut ah. like a peacock after that. She she earned it. Okay. She earned it. I got one more for you. This is from the cage fighting series. Here's Sean De Silva turning his knee into a licensed weapon. Caposa okay. special here. <laughs> oh Damn Damn Golly Alright, uh, let's time for some MMA fighters in the wild uh, Sometimes these people are just like one of us, Luke Here's Matt Brown with the old guitar Immortal style
0: Dude, he's good
1: yeah. Yeah. Let, oh, A little Led Zeppelin,
0: huh? Yeah
1: Have you heard the news? Yeah, all right. There you go. Uh, let's move on here. How about Newmanza using some of his uh, bonus money from Spectacular Knockouts to buy a new truck, Luke? And look how happy he is.
0: Good for him, dude. Good for him.
1: Joaquin Buckley, one of my favorite fighters, for real.
0: Yeah, you know what? Always exciting. Seems like he's a good guy. Uh, good for him. Good yeah, for him. That's, that's a good feeling. Yeah,
1: to our live show. He did. He yeah, he, me on, he
0: followed me on Twitter recently, too. Shouts to him, dude. Shouts to him. All right.
1: Other MMA fighters in the wild. Did you see Hasbula's celebration of Islam Mahachev's title win, Luke? Here yeah, it
0: is. you know I didn't.
1: <laughs> fired up. Yes. F-
0: yeah, I got to say, he's fired up as shit. I love that.
1: All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Here's uh, your dick kick of the week, brought to you by Mac Jones. Yeah, got him right where it hurts. Yep. Oh,
0: <laughs> with the studs up, no less.
1: Yeah, studs, laces out, studs up. There you go. All right. Hey, Luke, let's do rate that tat, MK Donk style. Here's one of our one of our best fans, Josh Montgomery, huge music fan. Got he's this is not finished. This is the beginning of his slash tattoo on his left arm.
0: Well, without seeing it finished, it's hard to give a a lot to say. I would just say because the hair's got to be dark, the face is a little dark. Um, it's gonna lighten up over time because it's new, so it's not like it's poorly done, but the shading is a little heavy.
1: Dude, that's badass. On his right arm, he's got uh, the "Wish You Were hair Pink Floyd cover. I mean, he's got he's got some great things going on. There, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, we'll have to see when it's all healed. Is the best way answer I can give.
1: All right, let's go to baseball crowd fights. You know, I love this Mets versus Braves. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. DeGrom with a big right hand. Oh. Oh, 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 dude, he got hit with Dude, he got hit. Dude,
0: DeGrom was doing double trouble over here. Yep, there he is. Damn. Old Jacob, oh, Jacob, pop, pop. Oh, dude. And my, the best part is the guy with the blue shirt with his back turned. He yeah. just held him up to get popped. Watch. Yeah. Picks would... him
1: up. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> Take that. Take that, Braves, you dirtbags. All right, let's go to this. Luke, you know I don't like to put this guy on here, but you know the new trend of the uh, cell phone ass plug trick? You know this new trend?
0: I don't know this. I'm a 43 year old man.
1: All right, here's a couple versions of it, real quick. Let's go to that. You know, you just you just try. Oh, it I have times. seen this. I have yeah. seen this. Yes. Well, you know that Asian guy who I said I'd never put on here again. <laughs> I
0: really hope you. I really, I really, really hope something bad happens to him. I really do.
1: All right, really... uh, we got to get out of here. So here's my final segment for you. I want to know how impressed you are. Rate it one to ten. I got some cool things here. You rate how impressed you are. Let's go to the first one.
0: That's impressive. That's not a lot of weight, but the stability you have to have there is remarkable. That's okay, one to
1: impressive. ten. What's your rate on impressiveness?
0: Solid eight.
1: All right, let's go to the next one. Also a gym trick. You into this at all, Luke? Nine. Nine. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Let's go to the let's go to the billiards room. Check out this shot. Ten. ten. yes, definitely. All ten right, out let's, ten. Let's go to man's best friend, who can also handle handle a wicket here, and the drummer get wicket.
0: Dude, isn't this an Australian like sheepdog?
1: Yeah, he's incredible. I want to. Yeah, him these
0: instantly. fucking dogs, man. They're not like normal dogs. These things are wired for work. Yeah, you know, he's
1: the real big puppy. That's what they call him. All right, and finally, uh, here's an old guy. This is your dunk of the week. What's your rating 1 to 10 here? Oh, no, this is, sorry, wrong one. This is a uh, couple's Halloween costume. Where are we? Do we have the the, the old guy BC, or no? BC,
0: you and I should have done this one.
1: We should have. We have the old guy or no? Nothing? Nothing? All right. Let's move on to our last couple here. Here is couple's Halloween costume of the year.
0: I got to say, I love this one.
1: And that's how, that's how you were made. Yes, there it is, Luke, just like that. You know, look at her light up when he... Okay, there you go. You got it. You got where I'm going with that. Uh, Luke, big win on The Price is Right this week. Check, let's check this out. Oh, yeah, come on, right?
0: He twerked for a Nissan Altima. <laughs>
1: Finally, Luke, let's get high here. Uh, what do you think of the ingenuity of these NFL fans? Been there.
0: I mean, does, has this guy held a job since 1987? Probably not, right? <laughs> I do uh, like the ingenuity. I'll get, I'll, 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 I like the ingenuity, but this guy would you would you smoke on that thing? after yeah. this fucking drifter who ended up in the game hands you that? No.
1: Probably. But here's uh for your birthday this this year, Luke, in in late July, August, whenever your birthday. August 5th, right? August yeah, 5th. August 5th. There you go. I'm a better friend than you thought I was. Here's what I'm what I'm going to buy you. Spoiler alert. This is the last one I got.
0: Holy Jesus.
1: Look at her. Wearing a drug rug too, right?
0: Dude, just bury me in this. <laughs> Just right, close that's the it. casket and let that's me it. This go. Let's say we gotta go. It,
1: it wasn't right. it wasn't our best, but it counts. I guess it counts, Luke, right? It
0: counts. These Monday shows after traveling are tough. All right, as a reminder, of course morningcombat.store is the best place to get the merch. You can go to showtime.com, get a thirty day preview uh, for free. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce, plus three ninety nine a month thereafter. I think this promo's closing soon, so you gotta do it right away and uh i think that's it bc any final thoughts
1: no no i I hope to fix my technology in the future okay all
0: right we have to come strong the rest of this week so let's make sure we do that because we owe the fans big Yeah,
1: everything we do we've got to come original Luke. okay all
0: right so sorry for the 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 late start today we appreciate you guys being here for malka for bc for showtime i'm luke thomas that's brian campbell we'll see you guys on wednesday and until then may all of your gains be loyal